Faithwalk. <laughs> I'm Rhiannon. I'm Mitch. And today, what are we talking about? Oh, today we're talking about some really creepy zombie worries in the northern parts of Europe. I don't like zombies. No. Like, when I say I don't like zombies, my biggest fear is zombies. Well, we're not talking about zombies. We're going to be talking about Draugr, which is different. But are they reanimated corpses that would just appear in the night and scare me? Yes and no. There are reasons for Draugr, and there are locations for Draugr. They don't just pop up in the mall looking for brains. In fact, they're not interested in brains. They're closer to a poltergeist in a vessel. I think that's worse. I think it is too, which is why there are so many different folk tales and stories about how to stop Draugr. Okay. That lead to weird burial rituals and weird battlefield mythologies. Is this is this story gonna end up with me like carrying something in my car so when I get out late at night I'm prepared? Do you live anywhere near a Viking burial? No. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> or if I do, then we need to reevaluate Australian history. Yeah there's a very big gap. <laughs> Just the Getting into botany there. I say, this chap seems to be wearing a helmet with horns on it. <laughs> oh, Mitch, be... you know better than that. <laughs> I do. I do. We uh... are a history podcast. Do not tell people they have horned helmets. <laughs> I was going to imply that the QAnon got there first, but... <laughs> no. No, there's no horns on the helmets. There's horns on the hips. That you drink from or you blow into. There's no horns on the helmets. That's just stupid. Yeah. Where are you going to put the gold on your helmet then? <laughs> and you also, why would you pretty. put a big thing that the enemy can grab on your head? I mean, <laughs> a lot of helmets do that. <laughs> I'm looking at you, the Greeks, the Romans, the Mesopotamians, the Boeotians, the Phoenicians. <laughs> Half of Africa throughout most of the ancient world. I love how many people I just insulted and you're just like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I made a Viking horned helmet reference. You were like, how stupid can you be to do this? I'm like, maybe the whole world at any point if they had a helmet. <laughs> Have you seen police helmets in the UK? No. They're yeah, the big, like, bobby ones. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, there's stuff on the top of those. The horse guard, those are fantastic. Nice big red plume out of the top of a big silver helmet. Oh. <laughs> They're just fun. I don't know. That's not as easy to grab as two horns on the side. Oh, yeah. For context for everyone, I did just look up their bobby helmet. <laughs> No, but going back to this, we are going to be really sort of looking at pagan burials and then sort of at the end of it, the Christianization of the idea of a Draugr, which is amusing to me because one of the early terms for Christianity was Draugatru, which is faith in the reanimated body. Which, uh, yes, we did mention last... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I no, mentioned that at some we, point. We mentioned... Um... In our Egyptian episode, we talked about the being bodily resurrected. Yeah. Just because yeah. in early Christianity, Jesus was bodily resurrected. And well, every... not just in... People don't think about it in all of Christianity. Yeah. Like, yeah. his body was no longer there. His body came back. 
Yeah, and the story that people who had known him would be there at the day of judgment. Mm. And then that turned into metaphor, even though it wasn't met as metaphor, and we sort of snowball from there. <clears throat> but these, um, these Draugr have like a whole bunch of things attested to them, and a whole bunch of things surrounding faith at this time that bleeds into later, but is also influenced by earlier stuff. Because even before you worry about a Draugr, or um, there's also a Hogboy, um, there are people in a barrow that sort of haunt their barrow and can come out if you get too close or try and scare you away if you're stealing their stuff. Okay. Um, there's also, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but the Aptrganger, um, the um, again-goers, or the walking again, that's closer to the idea of a zombie, but still not zombie. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the translation is one who walks after death. Um, so that fits a lot of mythologies across the world, and you see that sort of popping up as other religions are coming into the area, that reference. Um, but number one big thing, when you die, there are a few worries. Number one... If you have died as a selfish man or a selfish woman, if you have been greedy in life, or if you are someone who is extremely violent or feel like you or you think this person was unjustly killed or had been treated poorly in life, that's someone you're going to worry about. Right. That's the possibility of a Draugr, according to the, the faith and the folklore. The others are people who die and are found standing up or sitting up when their body is discovered. I'm sorry, how many people did they find standing up when they died? It depends how you died, as to if your body is left in an almost standing position. It's a terrifying idea. It is. I'm yeah. The one of, like, walking in and someone's just sitting up, yeah. eyes wide open, dead, is a little bit more terrifying to me. No, the idea of someone standing. <coughs> Those are ones that you have to worry about coming back, mm -hmm. because the way they're sitting in their death, according to the Norse and the Asatru faith, just to use the modern cognate word that's been created for it, um, those are the ones that are more likely to come back because they haven't laid themselves to rest in their death or their death has not allowed their body to lay to rest as they died. Um, a little terrifying, but... Yeah. The other worry about death is if you're giving stuff to the enemy upon death. And I don't mean the enemy on Earth. I mean the enemy in the afterlife. Because in the final days, according to the story of Ragnarok, mm -hmm. there's going to be a ship that the Oathbreakers and the Jotun, the giants, and all of the people who are trying to wipe out the gods, wipe out humanity, and destroy creation are going to sail on to the final battlefield. Mm -hmm. The ship is the Nagalfjar, or Nagalfar. There's a few different translations of it across the multiple languages in the area. The ship is made from the toe and fingernails of the dead, and the rigging and the sails are woven from their hair. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> but that's why you get this first concept, before the worry about Draugr, of making sure that the dead's 
fingernails and toenails are clipped down as short as possible to give the enemy as little as possible and to cut their hair back if it had gotten to a point where it was no longer, you know, um, kempt or, you know, shaving it down on the sides, making sure that your hair looked good, clipping the ends off. You would then burn all of these as well. Okay, so they burned all their toenails? The, the clipped off yeah. portions. And that's even before if the person was supposed to be burned as part of their burial. They have to be burned separately because they've been taken and kept here to be destroyed so that they can't be sent into the next world. That's, that's really the baseline of this concept of worrying about the dead and what they can bring back or what can be sent with them. Worrying about Draugr mm -hmm. then creates a whole bunch of things that start to sound very familiar. If you know anything about vampires, or zombie movies, or weird sort of like ghouls and, you know, yeah. revenants. One is, if you're worried the person's gonna be a droger, cut their head off. Mm -hmm. You can sew it back in place or put it back with the body, but if it's not connected, no droger. Gotcha. Another one is to drive a stake through them, mm -hmm. pinning them to where their body is interred only get a drauga from a body so if the body is pegged down no drauga one of the more terrifying ones though is the removal of feet okay <laughs> that one survives into the medieval period and in some areas up into the renaissance which where in a slightly different manner okay not just the removal of feet the removal of feet is the hardcore, it's a battlefield, there are a lot of people here, many of them be could become Draugr. We know this guy on the other side of the battle was like the big pain in everyone's ass. We're going to need to stop him from possibly coming back and seeking retribution against us. Cut off one of his feet. The belief being, that's going to bind his soul if it comes back to that spot. He doesn't have both feet. He can't walk away from the spot of his death. Yikes. Yeah. Can you imagine? You come back as a ghost. And you're, you're missing like, a foot and you are stuck there. Yeah, you're just like stuck. I'm trying to, I was trying to act it out like when we had a video. <laughs> <laughs> Here we like... see her doing a slight running motion. <laughs> Reminiscent of the Ministry of City Walks. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's a horrifying thought. Yeah. So coming back as a angry, vengeful spirit and trapped on the battlefield you died on. Mm, imagine if you went camping near that battlefield. But you see that bleeding into Christianity. This okay. early Christian belief that heavy battlefields capture the souls of people and don't let them go to heaven or sent to damnation. And they're stuck there fighting out these battles because they are stuck there because of their death in that specific battle. There's a couple of locations across the UK that take place well after uh, the Dane law and the Viking period and the invasions that people reference this idea of people's souls being trapped on battlefields because of the injuries they'd, uh, they'd sustained. Mm. That's where this has come from, really, at least in the English concept of this, that it's that desecration of the body if it hadn't already been to force a spirit to stay. This is one of the beliefs. 
phenomenally interesting mm. and very terrifying. <laughs> um, what's, uh, what's one of the other ones? Oh yes, there's a few that are referenced vaguely in references to folklore. So these are either 100% apocryphal or there's some of these sort of like spoken histories that have been passed down and possibly twisted or turned or have only been written down hundreds of years after the fact. One has to do with not being so violent as to like take an axe and remove a foot, mm -hmm. but instead tie the big toes together. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more terrifying and a lot funnier. <laughs> within a vessel really yes. if you want to think about it like that because the vessel can decay and fall apart yeah. and be destroyed and the ghost then leaves the vessel which is why I say it's different from a zombie because the zombie just is the vessel yes and the zombie has no yeah. nothing happening in the brain yeah yeah it's just primal forces yeah. whereas this it's very much targeting people that it knew in life or doing things in a way that it knows will scare people it has knowledge of being alive and being angry and the things it wanted. Um, one of the other things that they're sort of like, we're not sure if this is real, but it's referenced here and there's a translation of it over there, is the idea of just putting a pair of scissors on the chest of the deceased so they won't rise out of their barrow or eventually their Christian burial when this is still being done for fear of Draga and reanimated for reasons that are not written down. Okay. Like, the removal of the foot makes sense mm. if you think about it from their spiritual stance and the faith stance of, right, this is what happens. If they don't get taken, they get stuck here. Remove the foot. Yeah. Just a pair of scissors on the chest. They're not in the chest, just, yeah, just on, on the, the chest. chest. Just, just lay them there. <laughs> Are they pointed a certain way each time? No. Oh. There's no reference to how they're supposed to be pointed. They're apparently supposed to be open. Maybe. But it doesn't reference if they're like modern scissors or if they're shears or if they're the slightly more archaic version in between. Or is it something like iron? Like it's the material? It might be the material. But why wouldn't you just put nails in its place then? You no, know, the same equivalent in iron, because nails imply holding something in place mm. and forcing it to stay. So many fears that you come up with. Yeah, yeah, and so many sleepless nights you would have because of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other one that um, Hogboy, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly because I've never actually heard it said out loud. I just know it from research and from stories and reading about them. Those are the sort of the barrow ones. They're actually in part where the idea of barrow whites in the UK and people haunting burial mounds mm. come from. That concept really isn't in the British or Saxon or Angle or even the Pictish and Scottish idea of a barrow. Like, you just don't go there because it's rude. You don't dig up a barrow because it's grave robbing and it's... Don't do it. But with the Dane law and the introduction of the concepts of Valhalla and the afterlife and the Draga, 
we get these people from Hulg, the Barrows, who can terrorize the land around it. Right. And the belief is that you haven't put them in the Barrow right, you haven't done something to sort of keep them in place. So you see stuff like Sutton Who and the burial mounds there all across the UK. You do see people avoiding them for significant portions of time and stories surrounding them about these ghosts. Um, they're really not messed up like the Draugr are. Like the Draugr are there to destroy and do things that are severe to the living. So the answer to them is severe. Yeah. Cut off a foot, leave the body on the battlefield, separate them into two fires and burn them separately. They can't be connected in the afterlife. Leaving the bodies on the battlefield, like not even burying? The ravens have to eat somehow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to battlefield bodies as well, mm. you can't really go out straight away because you've got all the people that have been following the army that are trying to make money on the battlefield. We'll get to. Yeah, that one's always terrifying and fun and <laughs> oh boy. Um, but even attached to that, you wouldn't take a weapon from a burial mount in the same way you wouldn't take a weapon from someone you had killed on a battlefield unless you desperately needed to because mm. there's bad luck associated with it. Mm. If the person had died in battle or had been killed, they, well, their weapon had failed them. Yeah. It was an unlucky weapon. There's all these fantastic stories surrounding the undead, the recently deceased, and the luck or rage surrounding them. And it doesn't stop there. You get burials in France and in Germany that have cages over where the coffin is laid in Christian cemeteries for fear the dead would rise. You see people with giant iron slabs placed over their entombment for fear they would rise. And most of the time, it's either at a time of plague, yep. always terrifying, mm -hmm. it's someone who was vengeful, spiteful, or fit all of the stuff for a Draugr in life, or it's a husband who has been, you know, finally left alone uh, finally left his wife alone to live a life that she would have preferred to have and she wants to make sure 100% he's not <laughs> coming back <laughs> you do have to wonder because I'm sure there were some people who were buried who were still alive mm -hmm. in these traditions when you got these beliefs what it must have been like to see say you know your neighbor down the road who died oh last nice. died three days ago let's say yeah just wandering into the street covered in dirt, mm. dragging his foot. I mean, it was got it. I mean, it was World War One before we had a reliable method of determining if someone was dead. Mm. I really want to go into that when we talk about being saved by the bell. Oh yes, we are doing that because that one's definitely going to come up. So we won't do it right now. No. We're, I think we'll, we'll leave it with. Now. I think we'll leave it with the Draugr and the mm. weird beliefs surrounding the the reanimated mm. bodies in the Norse belief that bleed into Christianity. Much like everything else that's interesting about Christianity. <laughs> oh, oh, shots fired. Eostra, Mordas, Tordas, Odin's Day, Yul, Santa having eight reindeer because pulling his sleigh 
because Odin rides the eight-legged Sleipnir across the world for the wild hunt during the 12 days of Yule. Which, by the way, is Loki's child. Yep. I think we may have to a horse. I, I think we may just have to do like strange things from mythology at some point oh, as yes. well because I think this might be a good jumping off point <laughs> in the future. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think we're good with giving you and other people at yeah, home possibly like, well, as, as much nightmare fuel as possible. I'm not good. <laughs> I'm so far from good. I don't think you. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll see you um, next time when yeah. we do another episode of They Did What? They Did What? We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connection to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.